seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to John's Gospel, chapter 13. John chapter 13 is uh, where we'll spend most of our time together this morning. Life is about relationships. God created us to enjoy a relationship with us. We enjoy a relationship with God by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Jesus told us, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way for us to enter into a relationship with God than through faith in Jesus. We are forgiven by God. We are made right with God. We become children of God by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we also know that God has created us to enjoy relationships with one another. I love what the pastor said about relationships. At one point, he said, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, well, that's a different story. So we know that God has created us to enjoy uh, relationships with one another. Jesus spoke often in the Gospels about God's desires for our relationships with one another and all those God places around us. Jesus taught us to bless others, especially those who persecute us. Jesus taught us to forgive because we've been forgiven. To Jesus taught us to care about one another. Jesus taught us to be generous with one another. Jesus taught us to show mercy to one another. Jesus taught us to make peace with one another. Jesus taught us to pray with and for one another. Jesus taught us to serve others. Jesus taught us these truths because obeying these truths is best for us and our relationships. Jesus also commanded us, taught us, encouraged us, and actually showed us how to love one another. As Christ followers, we are called, we are commanded to love like Jesus loved. And in John chapter 13, we find John sharing some words from Jesus where Jesus is emphasizing this point to us. I'll begin reading in verse 31. John wrote these words, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Almighty God, we ask now that in these next moments, you will penetrate our hearts and our minds and our lives with your truth. God, as your Holy Spirit is already at work in us, as he's already speaking to us, we pray that he would continue that work. We pray that he would continue challenging us, convicting us, and quite honestly, God, changing us the image of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. God, we desperately need this truth because it's the truth you have prepared for us this morning. And so, Father, we thank you that we're here on purpose, not by accident. We thank you for what we're about to receive, and we ask that you would empower us to respond to it in obedience, to respond to it courageously, to respond to it 
as you would have us, Father God, so that we might uh, literally uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, so that we might walk in obedience to your word this morning. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We see here in this passage the message here that we're going to look at in regards to loving one another. I just need to take a few minutes to set the foundation, to set the scene. Jesus shifted here in this passage. We see a shift in the passage that we're in. The the shift of Jesus went from his public ministry to his private ministry, and this shift began in John chapter 13. Jesus is ministering to his disciples, and he is sharing some final words of instruction and encouragement with his disciples before going to the cross of Calvary. In actuality, John chapters 13 through 17 occurs over the course of one night. John chapters 13 through 17 is a one long discourse of Jesus with his disciples occurring over the course of one evening. This evening will end. This night that begins in John chapter 13 will end with Jesus and his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. It will end with Jesus being arrested by the mob, led by Judas, and being taken away to be crucified hours later. Here in John chapter 13, Jesus knows his time had finally come. He knows and understands his time has come to fulfill God's plan for his life In the most ultimate manner, here on this earth, Jesus understood and knew it was time for him to provide us with the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins, to provide us with the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God by way of his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection. And so we see and understand and know Jesus is looking forward to what is imminent, that the thing that he had always come for was now at hand. John told us about this in chapter 13, verse 1. If you look at verse 1, John wrote, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew, say that with me, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The crucifixion of Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of the love of Jesus for us. The crucifixion of Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of the love of Jesus for us. The scripture here in verse 1 says that Jesus loved them. Jesus was referring to his disciples, his followers, which includes us today. Jesus loved them. He loved us to the end. That means to the limit, to the utmost. Literally, it means to eternity by sacrificing his life for us on the cross. And so we see this night begins in chapter 13 with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He gives them a very clear picture of the importance of humility and servanthood among brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet. Upon finishing that act of servanthood, that act of love, that act of humility, he then began to speak to his disciples, and he let them know that one of them was going to betray him, which obviously led the disciples to ask the question, who? The disciples said, who? Who is it? 
Jesus identified that it was Judas. Judas would be the one to betray him. And the scriptures tell us that Judas then got up and he left the group immediately. Now, Scripture also tells us, John tells us, that the other guys, the other 11, didn't quite understand everything that was going on at this point. Judas left the group, and they didn't quite understand everything that was going on. And so we have Judas getting up and leaving the 12, now the 11, and we have Jesus with his disciples here in this evening. And we now look back at this passage Let's specifically look at verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. So we see now, we get an understanding now, a little bit more. When he had gone out, referred to Judas leaving. Judas got up and left them. So after Judas had gone out, Jesus then said, Now the Son of Man, Jesus was referring to himself, the Son of Man. Now the Son of Man, Jesus, is glorified. Jesus was speaking about his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his exaltation back to the right hand of God the Father. We know this. Jesus had been speaking to the disciples about this. If you just look in the previous chapter, chapter 12, look with me, chapter 12, turn to your left, maybe on the same page, maybe just one page over. Chapter 12, in verse 27 and 28, listen to what Jesus said to them as they were talking about the impending crucifixion. As Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. Again, hour meaning the cross. But that is why I came to this hour. Jesus said, am I now at this point in time going to say, Father, save me from the cross? No, that's the whole reason why I came to this earth, Jesus said. The whole reason why I came to this earth was to go to cross, to pay the price for sins so that we might have an opportunity to know God through faith in him. Then Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. In chapters 12, and 13, in these passages that we're looking at, Jesus spoke before going to the cross about his glory that was about to be displayed on the cross. Jesus was speaking right before going to the cross about his glory that was about to be displayed on the cross. Pastor and Bible scholar Stephen Cole uh, said this about Uh, the way that Jesus was glorifying the Father. He said, to glorify is to magnify or display his perfect attributes. Stephen Cole said, to glorify God is to magnify or display his perfect attributes. So we begin to understand now what Jesus was saying here in chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. The death of Jesus on the cross glorified Jesus as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Glorify Jesus as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. The death of Jesus on the cross glorified Jesus as the righteous one, the holy one, 
who gave his life for us, the unrighteous ones, the unholy ones, to bring us to God. The death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary glorified Jesus as the only one who could rescue us from our sins and bring us to God. The death of Jesus on the cross displayed his obedience to God the Father, his love for God the Father, and his love for us. The death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary glorified God as God's grace and God's love and God's mercy and God's holiness and God's justice was displayed for all to see as Jesus took our place on the cross and paid our price for sins. The resurrection of Jesus glorified God as God's power was on display for all to see as Jesus rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. You see, the death, the resurrection, and the exaltation of Jesus Christ perfectly glorified, perfectly magnified, perfectly displayed the perfect attributes of God the Father and God the Son. It's a perfect display, a beautiful display of the glory of God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus continues in verse 33, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me And just as I told the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come, so now I tell you. So Jesus continues here, and he shared his love for his disciples as he called them his children or his little children. That was an affectionate term from Jesus to his disciples. He loved them. Notice Jesus also shared his plan with them as he said, I am with you a little while longer. And where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus was referring to his soon-to-come death on the cross, burial, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we see how this was coming into play clearly here with these disciples. He was loving them. He was sharing his plan with them. But Jesus also made it clear to his disciples here that though they were not going to be able to come with him at that moment, that they would be able to come with him. They would be able to join him later. They would be able to join him later, meaning later in heaven one day because of what he was getting ready to do for them on the cross. And he affirmed this in verse 36. If you look in verse 36 real quick, if you just jump down, In response to this, Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? There's our good buddy Peter, man. Don't you love Peter? Peter's like listening and he's, he got caught up and he missed 34 and 35. He was still stuck on 33. He's still stuck up there. Where I'm going, you cannot come. You could just see him phase out. Boop. That's it. He probably didn't hear really 34 and 35, but he said, Hey Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Jesus assured Peter and his followers, his disciples there, that they had the hope of heaven one day. The good news for us this morning is we have the assurance and hope of heaven with our Savior Jesus one day because of our faith and trust in him. Amen.
we have that hope and assurance of heaven that certainly blesses us today every step of our way. So we now see background. Scene is set. So we've got the 11 disciples before Jesus. Jesus is there on that evening. He's got his 11 disciples around him. The cross of Calvary is before him. Jesus understands, I got my key leaders. I know what's getting ready to happen. The cross is soon to come. And Jesus then shared a new commandment. Look with me in verse 34. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. Now, at first glance, this does not look like a new commandment. The Old Testament scriptures spoke about loving one another. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Leviticus 19 to 18 said, Don't take revenge and don't bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The Old Testament scriptures spoke clearly about loving one another. The New Testament scriptures spoke clearly about loving one another. Matthew and Mark recorded in their Gospels the conversation that Jesus had with the teacher of the law when the teacher of the law came to Jesus and asked Jesus the simple question, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? And Jesus responded and said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we know loving one another played a leading role in the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament scriptures. So I want you to notice this commandment, the new, quote unquote, part of this commandment is real clear. It's real simple. It's right there in verse 34. Jesus says, just as I have loved you. Say that with me out loud. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. The new aspect of this commandment is we are commanded, we are called to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So this is new. And so we need to understand a little bit more about the love of Jesus for us so that we can begin to understand how we're going to apply this commandment. Because this commandment was for his disciples years ago. This commandment is for us as well today. So let's just look at a few points about Jesus' love. Number one, Jesus' love for us was costly. Jesus' love for us was costly. Jesus' love for us cost him his life as he died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins. His love was very costly. As Paul shared with the believers in the church in Galatea, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's just as Paul told the believers of the church in Ephesus, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we know and understand Jesus sacrificially, lovingly laid down his life for us. You see, Jesus' love for us, let's make it personal, Jesus' love for you, his love for me, was expensive. It was costly. It cost him his life. Second, Jesus' love was a choice. There was intentionality 
in the way in which Jesus loved you and me. Jesus made the choice to love us. He made the choice to lay his life down for us. If you turn back to the left, John chapter 10, again, Jesus was speaking about this all through this amazing gospel. John chapter 10 and verses 14 and 15, just a couple pages to your left, Jesus speaking these words. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice, Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus' life was not taken from him. Please understand this. Jesus' life was not taken from him. He willingly laid his life down because of his great love for you and me, ultimately because of his obedience and love to his Father God. So we know Jesus' love was costly, it was a choice, but we also know Jesus' love is continual. It's continual. Each of the four times in verses 34 and 35 in which Jesus used the word love, he's using the word in the Greek language, the original word agape, which has different forms. Agapao is one of the forms he uses here. And so he's using this term agape. Agape love is unconditional. Agape love is sacrificial. Agape love is selfless. Agape love gives and gives and gives and gives. Agape love gives and gives and it never stops giving. Agape love gives and gives and gives whether it is received properly or whether it is returned properly. You see, the Apostle Paul understood. The Apostle Paul embraced. The Apostle Paul rejoiced in the agape love of Jesus Christ for him. He rejoiced in the continual love of Jesus Christ for him. The apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Paul understood what we understand today. There is no one or nothing that can separate, slow, or stop the continual love of God from pouring into our lives that God has for us in His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God loves you, and God loves me, period. He loves us. There's nothing we can do to make Him love us anymore, and there's nothing we can do to make Him love us any less. He loves you and me. And He loves us just the way we are, but praise God, He doesn't want to leave us that way. He wants to change us and make us more like his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we see that happening even now. Agape love is the love that God has for us. Agape love is the love that Jesus has for us. Now listen, agape love is the love that God wants us to share and show with one another. So let's make this personal now because this commandment is to you and to me. And at this time of Christmas and everything that's going on in our lives, this is God's provision for us this morning. And so we need to understand this so that we can make it personal and apply it and obey it in our lives, starting here in just a few moments and then throughout the rest of this week. So we're going to obey this commandment, then we need to answer a couple of questions. First question is, how are we able, how can we love one another as Jesus has loved us? Real simple answer, we love one another as Jesus loved us through Jesus. It's through Jesus. A little girl was writing a letter to God one day and she said, dear God, she said, I bet it's hard for you to love everybody in the whole wide world. 
there are only four people in my family and I have trouble loving them. So she speaks something that, if we're all honest, we understand. We cannot fulfill this commandment in our strength. We cannot fulfill this commandment with our good intentions. Remember, Jesus extended the boundaries of what this love is, what this love does, when Jesus commanded us to love our enemies and to bless those who persecute us, which is impossible for us in and through us. So understand, Jesus' command to us to love one another as he has loved us is designed to push us to him. It's designed to get us to admit our complete inability to obey this commandment apart from him. It's designed to cause us to fall on our knees, to remain in him, to trust in him, so that he can empower us to love others like him. Jesus affirmed this to us later in this evening in chapter 15, again, the same night, chapter 15, later on, Jesus said these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he can bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus was sharing with us, again, we can do nothing of spiritual significance apart from our faith and trust in him. We can't obey his commandments apart from his help and strength to obey his commandments. But listen, the other side of that equation is also true. We can love one another like Jesus as we remain in him, as we trust in him, and as we rely on him to love others through us. You see, remaining in Jesus simply means abiding in Jesus. It means spending time with Jesus in his word and prayer in obedience to him. The more we remain in Jesus, the more we know the love of Jesus. The more we remain in Jesus, the more we embrace the love of Jesus. The more we remain in Jesus, the more we love Jesus. The more we remain in Jesus, the more we love others like Jesus. Remember, Paul reminded us in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces in us as we remain in Jesus, and then it's that fruit of the Spirit of love that the Holy Spirit then pours out through us as we depend on Jesus day by day to love one another like Jesus. You see, we're able to love one another like Jesus through Jesus. But understand this, we're able to love ourselves through Jesus. You know, so many times we get hung up on loving one another like Jesus because quite honestly, we don't love ourselves. We keep looking in that mirror. We keep listening to those words that have been spoken over and over again. Maybe it's a new statement. Maybe it's a new combination of words that have been spoken to us. Maybe it's words that have been spoken to us years and years and years ago that for whatever reason, we continue to just hit play on the enemy's tape recorder. And he's more than willing to just play that over and over again. Tell us over and over again how bad we are, what we don't have, what we don't and can't do, what we're not. 
It's never going to change. And we at times want to love others. And we long to love others. But the truth of the matter is, we're so discouraged and defeated because we don't love ourselves that we struggle to express that love to others and to the Father. You see, we're able to love one another as Jesus loved us through Jesus, and we're able to love ourselves through Jesus. You see, the more we remain in Jesus, the more we know and embrace his love for us. The more we know and embrace his truth for us, the more we're able to then walk in freedom and victory that he has purchased for us on the cross, which then allows us and frees us to love one another as he loves us. How? Are we going to obey this commandment this morning? How are we going to obey this commandment in the next few moments? How are we going to obey this commandment today, tonight? How are we going to obey this commandment this week? How are we going to obey this commandment throughout this Christmas season? We're going to obey it through Jesus as we remain in him and depend on him and trust in him to empower us to love one another as he loves us. And then the second question then is why? Why should we love one another as Christ loved us? Well, there's many answers to this question. Let me just give you a few. Number one, we are blessed as we love one another as Christ loved us. We're blessed as we love one another as Christ has loved us. Now, the simple answer to this question is we love one another as Christ loved us because Jesus said so, and that's enough for us. Jesus told us to, that's enough. We love one another as he has loved us. But we understand and realize that everything Jesus commanded us to do is best for us. Everything Jesus commanded us to do in his word is best for us. We are blessed when we love one another as Jesus has loved us. Remember, Jesus said it's better to give than receive, right? We're blessed as we love one another as Jesus has loved us. I would submit and suggest to you that it is fun to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Hey, listen, quite honestly, it is a blast to love one another as Jesus has loved us. It is an absolute blast. It is the great blessing for us as followers of Jesus to just pour out his love on somebody, some unsuspecting soul that we know and that we love that, does, that doesn't know what's coming. Blast him with the love of Jesus. I mean, turn that hose on and just blast him. What does that mean? It means praying with folks. It means praying for folks. It means just going up and hugging somebody. It means just going up and encouraging somebody. It means going up and blessing somebody. It means going and serving somebody. It means loving folks as Jesus loved us. It means doing something for someone else, doing something for a loved one, doing something for your wife's men, doing something for your husband's ladies that they don't know, that they don't expect, that they haven't asked for. You're just going to do it because Jesus calls you to do it, and you are going to have a blast as you do it, because as you do it, you are being used as a vessel, as a spout for the Holy Spirit to pour that love through. And when he pours that love through us to others, it not only blesses them, but it blesses us. And it is exciting. It is fun to love Jesus and to love others the way Jesus has loved us. It will mess people up. It will. Even those closest to us. It'll mess them up. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm reminded. And I quite honestly, I can't get the pictures out of my mind. I hear the voices as it is right now. When in many of our past trips, we've been in Canada, a very, very dark and lost area of Canada. And we've just taken Crossroads Church and Jesus up to them. And we've done dollar day ministries and different things that we do here. We, we do it up there. And I'll never forget. And it's burned into my mind sitting in a breakfast spot and we go and we we tell the the manager who's on duty there hey this is what we want to do we just want to give you some money and then we want you to just take care of all the breakfast from the folks who who come until the money's out and it takes us about 10 or 15 minutes to explain there's no catches to the managers <laughs> and they say well okay and then we sit and pray for those who are being blessed. And the numbers of times folks will come over to us, and they literally come over, and they've got the most stunned look on their face, and they literally ask, why did you just do this? They said, literally, no one has ever done this for me. Why would you do this? It's a perfect segue for us to be able to share that we're doing it because of Jesus and what he's done for us. We are blessed when we love one another like Jesus. But listen, our relationships are blessed when we love one another like Jesus. Everything Jesus commanded us to do is best for our relationships. And please remember, the standard of our love is not if others love us. The standard of our love is not how well others love us. The standard of our love is not how much others love us. The standard of our love is how Jesus loves us. And when the love of Jesus is unleashed in us and in our relationships, it blesses us in our relationships. When the love of Jesus is unleashed, look out. Because there is going to be blessings flying around like never before in your heart, your mind, your life, your relationships. A third reason is we are, we are identified as followers of Jesus as we love others like Jesus. Remember in verse 35, Jesus said, by this all men, all people, by this all people will know you are my disciples if by this all people will know you are my disciples. What is the by this? It's the way in which we love one another. That's what he means by this, the way in which we love one another. Here's the point that Jesus is making here. Our identifying mark as followers of Jesus Christ is the way in which we love one another. That's our identifying mark. The love of Jesus is selfless, which stands out in a selfish world. The love of Jesus gives, which stands out in a getting world. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, we should interact with one another, the one another, that's brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. We should love one another in such a way 
in our day-to-day lives, in our marriages, I know, by the way, husbands, remember, Paul told us we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We're to love one another. And so we're to love one another in such a way that when others see us, they're able to say, ah, seen that before. They know Jesus. They're a follower of Jesus. When we're out and about with our families, it shouldn't just be our kids that should be able to say, man, dad and mom, they love Jesus. There should be others around us because they have served us whether we know it or not. They're able to say this seen that somewhere before. They're, they're followers of Jesus. Now listen, another reason is we point others to Jesus as we love one another like Jesus. Tertullian, an early Christian author, an apologist, a defender of the faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he uh, wrote this about Roman soldiers years and years and years ago as he wrote much about the church in Jerusalem and and then on as the church grew and expanded Tertullian he wrote this he said that the Roman soldiers would often say to themselves see how they love one another when they observed Christians interacting with one another soldiers would say look look guys come here look look at how they love one another he described brothers and sisters in Christ you see the love of Jesus in us and among us is one of the main things God uses in his work of drawing people to faith and trust in Jesus therefore it's no wonder why Satan tries so hard to divide us, to discourage us, and to stop us from loving one another. I want you to see how Jesus ended this because it's not by accident or coincidence. He said, by this all people will know you're my disciples. And then what did he say? He said if. He said if. If. You have love for one another. If means we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make today. We have a choice to make, quite honestly, right here and right now. Don't wait for others to love you as Jesus loved us. Don't require others to change before you love them as Jesus has loved us. Don't worry if others want you to love them as Jesus has loved us. And don't get concerned about what others are going to think if you love one another as Jesus has loved us. Take the initiative, be intentional, make the choice, 
go first and love one another as Jesus has loved us. John reminded us in 1 John chapter 4, we love because God first, God first loved us. So we please God, we obey God, we imitate God as we love one another as Christ Jesus has loved us. Here's the point of this commandment. Here's the point of our time together. Here's the point that Jesus is wanting to make clear to you and to me this morning. The point is simply this. We need to love one another like Jesus. And we need to be loved by one another like Jesus. And there is no better time than to obey God's command than right here and right now. And as you die,